sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. We have a very interesting topic today. How would you feel if the government came in and ran roughshod over your church and actually just kind of took it over and destroyed it? Hmm. Our guest today is the Reverend Jennifer Hawks, who serves as Associate General Counsel of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Jennifer, thanks for being with us again on Freedom's Ring. Thank you for having me. So, um, this story is inspired by, or this show is inspired by an article you wrote for Liberty Magazine. What was the article all about? Well, I was asked to write an article about why people of faith should care about uh, religious liberty concerns for people from a different religious tradition. And so I took the approach, um, I took the topic of Oak Flat, which is an area in southeast Arizona. It is considered sacred by the San Carlos Apache tribe and many other tribal nations in the southwest and try to use that as my entry point. They have very serious concern about land that they consider sacred. It would be equivalent to a church for us. It's going to be destroyed and the federal government can stop it. And so we joined forces with them to try to save their holy site, even though it's not holy to me. I, I can appreciate its beauty and its loveliness, um, but it doesn't have the same level of sacredness to me that it does to them. And so you say that it's going to be destroyed, but the federal government has the opportunity to rescue it. So what's happening with the site there at Oak Flat? So Oak Flat is currently within the Tonto National Forest in southeast Arizona. So it's currently um, a, a protected federal land. Um, but in the mid-1990s, a large copper deposit was found underneath the area. And so for many, many years, a copper company has been trying to get hold of the land because back in the 50s, so when President Eisenhower was in office, he protected this site from any new mining because of its beauty and its cultural importance um, and its significance. It's also been a burial site for these Native American tribes. So it has all kinds of, of reasons for why we want to protect this land. So it cannot be mined while it's owned by the federal government. They have to transfer it to this other entity. So a company called Resolution Copper has been trying to get their hands on the land so that they can open a mine and get to the copper that is underneath. It is undisputed that it will destroy the land. Um, even in Resolution Copper's own materials, they say that for as long as it is safe, they will permit the tribe to continue to conduct their ceremonies on this land. So it will it will destroy it by creating a huge crater that will be about two miles long and about 1,100 feet deep. So to put that into a visual perspective, think of two Golden Gate bridges and then two and a half Statues of Liberty. Well, in terms of length, I think we're looking at something like 60 football fields. And, you know, as I, as I was saying to you before we started the show, I've been up to the open pit copper mines there in that area. There's other mines. I represented one of the miners many years ago. The scale of these mines is beyond comprehension. The size and the depth of the pits. And you see like a truck going along. It's hard to comprehend with words just how vast uh, these places are. And of course, copper has become a key metal in in all of uh, what we enjoy in, in tech. 
and from electric cars to you know everything we do with computers and cell phones and everything else. Um, but in your article, you liken this to um, you know to relate it to Christians. You know, what if uh, somebody came in and just kind of destroyed your church, right? Yes. Well, and and that's one of the more um, disturbing features of this advocacy is. Um, more than one member of Congress has dismissed the um, indigenous leaders who have come to them with their concerns about this property, saying they would rather hear from other people. So it's like if the government was going to destroy my church, but they wanted to hear from the people down the road who attend a completely different church and worship somewhere else in some other way and manner, and they want to hear their opinions on what should happen to my church. And so that is um, that's one of the reasons why we, we try to rally the religious and religious freedom community. And we've had nearly 80 organizations sign on to help us in this advocacy. But yes, it's very much like um, like your church, your, your sacred site. Um, you know, I have a real hard time believing that if a copper mine or if a copper deposit was found under Arlington National Cemetery, that it would um, the sacredness of that site would be treated with such dismissiveness as some members of Congress are currently treating it. Well, it's interesting that you raise... Arlington as a comparator, because I think for most Americans who are Christian, we don't really have a very strong sense of attaching sacredness to places. Um, maybe we do to some extent with places in Israel associated with the life of Christ. You know, we call it the Holy Land, for example, but uh, certainly the Supreme Court has not been very receptive to Native American claims with respect to protecting land. Uh, I'm thinking of a notable case, I think, from the 1980s, the Ling case. Do you want to talk about, you know, the disrespect the Supreme Court showed in that case? Sure. Uh, Ling, if I uh, recall correctly, was um, the federal government was wanting to build a road through federal land. So it was land that the federal government owned. And but it, it crossed over some native sacred sites and the federal government basically said it's our land. We have a right to do it. And, and the court upheld that, um, that there are several statues on the books that rather that that protect um, Native American religious rights and other rights. They typically don't have strong enforcement mechanisms. So it's good on paper. But when when these groups come into the court system to try to vindicate their rights, um, it's usually less than effective, uh, which is which is definitely a shortcoming for multiple statues, but this is even more direct because it's a statute that is directing the transfer of land that is undisputably going to destroy this this sacred site. And the only way to fix it really is is, is for Congress to come in and, and undo the damage that they did back in 2014. Well, and I think probably you're saying that because the legacy of the Ling case is good luck trying to get the courts to apply you know, religious freedom protections under the Constitution to, you know, a Native American uh, interest in protecting their sacred sites. It, it's at this point, the precedent is the government gets to do whatever they want with the land, right? Yes. In the court system, it's definitely a, a uphill battle would be an understatement for the tribes and the other Native organizations that are looking to protect the land. Um, and so that's why we, BJC, are trying to focus on Congress, because Congress can give the permanent solution um, and, and fix the problem that they created. And, you know, I might add for context here that it was precisely a case involving Native American religion that led to uh, kind of the dumbing down of the free exercise rights that protect all Americans. And we have uh, a system that that folks on the left and folks on the right have tried to uh, 
uh, change for what thirty years now because of a of a Native American case, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're referencing the the Smith case, of course. With the, being able to smoke peyote on on your free time, so so. You know, I do want to ask you about how our listeners can help support this effort. But I I want to put this in historical context because I think, you know, despite our national commitment to the separation of church and state in, in our Constitution, and we're supposed to respect the autonomy of religious bodies and, and their properties, right? Um, we have a long history of ignoring the Constitution when it comes to Native Americans. And thanks to your article, as I said to you before the show, um, I picked up this book all about telling the story of Oak Flat, a beautiful book. Um, and there's a quote from the 1868 Office of Indian Affairs Annual Report. Okay, 1868. This is official U.S. government report. We earnestly desire the speedy settlement of all our territories. None are more anxious than we to see their agricultural and mineral wealth developed by an industrious, thrifty, and enlightened population. And we fully recognize the fact that the Indian must not stand in the way of this result. If the savage resists, civilization, with the Ten Commandments in one hand and the sword in the other, demands his immediate extermination. So that was part of American policy, was either convert or die, right? Convert to Western religion and uh, Western uh, lifestyle, or we'll wipe you out. Yes, um, relationship of the American government with our, our Native populations uh, is, is complicated, um, but an honest review of that history, we as the American government usually come out on the, on the losing end of that of that PR and um we have um we have not only ignored treaties um when it suited us um but but we have we have created harmful situations and as more comes out with the boarding school history and and all of these other um tragic events that you know we either perpetuated or turned a blind eye to um that you know that there's definitely a there's definitely a reckoning coming uh, you know coming for how this history has has developed and and how it can be improved in the future how this doesn't have to um, stay in, in this kind of a, a position. So I guess the question, the, the challenge I want to pose to our listeners, Jennifer, is whether you believe that religious liberty is just for you or whether it's really for everybody. You know, if it's just for you, then it's a power game, right? Who has power to protect their own rights? But those of us who work in the field of religious liberty, as you and I do, we know that it has to be about protecting the rights of everyone, uh, including maybe even especially the rights of those who believe and worship differently than we do. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's that's what BJC's mission is. And we've had many great partners across the theological spectrum um, from people of faith. And we've had great partnerships from people who do not identify with the faith tradition. Um, who believe that everyone should have the freedom to choose their own religious path. And whether that's being in a religion or not being in a religion, 
um, whether it's it's being associated with a religion that has that is closer to an indigenous religion with you know, more environmental and 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 outdoor um, strong components, or whether it's a, a more traditional brick and mortar uh, church building, that we all should have our beliefs treated equally and treated with uh, with serious consideration whenever our um, rights are going to be are, are going to be infringed. So we just have about a minute left. Is there some way that our listeners can help? with the effort in Congress to protect Oak Flat. Everyone should reach out to your congressional delegation, your one your one House member and your two senators, and tell them that they need to come on board and be a co-sponsor of the Save Oak Flat Act. Um, we also could use just more support in social media. So tweet or Facebook post, just raise the issue so that so that maybe your friends and colleagues and those in, in your network will, will also get on board get on board and reach out. Um, we're having great success. We've had more co-sponsors than ever this year, um, but but we still need just a few more before we can bring it to the floor. Do you have some materials on the Baptist Joint Committee website that we should direct people to? We have a couple of articles. Uh, we had the chairman for the San Carlos Apache tribe write an article about why why Oak Flat has religious significance to him and his tribe, and so that that would be a great read. And we we've done some blog posts and and do have a few other. Uh, resources. And I'm also happy to connect people to resources. So my, my email address is on the website. If anyone wants to reach out, I will do what I can to help connect you to the right resource. And it should be very easy to find the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Just Google it anymore. We don't even have to give out web addresses. You know who you're looking for. It's not hard to find. Our guest today, Jennifer Hawks, thank you so much for being with us on Freedom Spring. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to join you. And we will certainly pray for the success of, uh, of the effort to save Oak Flat. As we close, remember, at Freedom Spring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. That's churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association producer of Freedom's Ring at religiousliberty.info. And be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rennock. Until next week, let freedom ring.